The time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. Seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Ferfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of Shreddy Balls. She's Victoria Stilwell, and she's ready to go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bee. I need to trim my whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. I'm back. Hi, Holly. <laughs> Did you miss me while I was gone? For I a week, missed Victoria? you, but you have just been having the most fantastic time. <laughs> Lucky thing. I know. Next time I'm taking you on vacation with me, this was a total animal vacation. Please, please, please do. And all the places you went, I have never been and I really want to go. I'll go again. I'll be your tour guide. Okay, please. I went out west. I went to Colorado, Wyoming, South Dakota, and Nebraska. And let me tell you, when people think Nebraska, Nebraska's beautiful. I mean, I know flat, 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 flat. Well, sort of. But western Nebraska, like northwestern Nebraska is getting into the Black Hills. It's beautiful. It's not flat like Omaha, where Warren Buffett lives on the other side of the state. That's kind of flat. Maybe not so pretty, but this is gorgeous over there. Um, And, you know, it gets a little monotonous, but you see like cows and cows cows and and, yeah. And everything was kind of dead, so we saw a lot of dead corn. And But you know what they grow out there? Sunflowers. I had no idea, but Nebraska is known for sunflowers. So I can only imagine. We saw these dead sunflowers. But can you imagine in the summer when these are just full bloom? It's got to be gorgeous out That's there. beautiful. My mother-in-law was actually born in Kansas, in the middle of Kansas. So I've been to the center of the United States of America. Flat. It's totally flat. But the actual center point wow. where he says, you are now in the center of the United States of America. And that's near where she lived. Near very Center, cool. Kansas. Yes. Did it feel different? It felt very strange. We were the only people there. There was, a, there was a, an American flag there in a building and then lots of wind. Yeah, that's kind of what happened. Well, we went to, who goes to the total, you know, the West and the Midwest in the October, like the end of October, everything was closed pretty much. Things, I guess, shut down around Labor Day. And uh, we would drive for miles and miles and miles and miles and not see another car, not see a trucker. And what's so freaky is that there's no... There's no lights out there. So, you know, you saw we saw stars. We saw the Milky Way. You could see satellites shooting stars. I mean, it was amazing, but it's so dark. So I have to tell you, like, it, this was a total animal vacation from buffalo to antelope to you name it, birds and all. But we're, um, we're standing out there. And, you know, first of all, I am going to make a million dollars by introducing a vegetable to the Midwest other than the potato. Bless their hearts. <laughs> you go to the salad bar and I'm like, hi, I'm going to eat the salad bar. And it's iceberg lettuce, cheese, croutons. And ambrosia. Do you know what ambrosia <laughs> yes, is? Yes, I do know what ambrosia it's, is. Yes. Okay, yeah, it's great. I mean, and it, it's delicious. It's just I felt like I might get scurvy. But um, <laughs> we're out there, and so, you know, we eat the salad bar. We're in Chimney Rock, Nebraska, out by Nebraska. It's, I guess, Scott's Bluff area. Uh, and we're in the middle of nowhere, and it's pitch black, and we decided it's all lit up, Chimney Rock. So we decided, let's go see, you know, like the, the pioneers did when they were going across the West. Let's turn off all the lights and... Well, it's pitch black, and all I could picture, I'm with my friends Monica and Peg, and all I can picture is a wolf somewhere in the distance going, someone smells like ambrosia, <laughs> and then just beelining and taking Monica away, and we'd never find her again, and she would live with the wolves. But um, it was it was beautiful. The people, so nice. I mean, that is the salt of the earth part of the country. Just the nicest people, beautiful. I almost was um, the lady buffalo to a big male, because what we were warned was... Um, it's rut season. Oh, it's, yes, it is. I didn't know what rut was. Yes. I was like, 
do they need antidepressants? They're in a rut. And the guy says, no, do not get out of your car for any reason because rut season means the buffalo are looking for mates. They are. So we're driving through the Black Hills. There's one little story to tell you why I almost didn't come back. We're driving. There's nobody around, not a soul in sight. It's starting to snow a little. It's getting pretty. We don't see anything. I love animals. I want to see a darned buffalo. So finally we come across these buffalo, huge, and they're in fence, in fence. And, um, and I'll, I'll see if I can send um, our producer the picture and put it up on the website. It's a huge fence. So I thought, you know what? There's nobody around. I'm going to get close to these darn buffalo. I'm going to take a picture and say, I saw a buffalo. So as, I'm, as we're driving, I pull a car over. Nobody's in sight. I'm getting out of the car. And there's, you know, I'm taking pictures through the fence. And the buffalo are looking at me like, who's this crazy lady? It's snowing. It's cold. And I see a park ranger come from the distance. <gasps> and he slows down. And, I mean, you can't, they can't keep you from getting out of the car. But they certainly, you know, can recommend you stay. And they slowed down. And then they just passed us and stopped. And I can see him looking in the rearview mirror. And I was like, why are they stopped? I don't get it. So I take my picture. I'm thinking, I'm not doing anything. I'm not bothering anyone. Get back in the car, pull up three feet, and there was a massive buffalo on the outside. He was a free-roaming buffalo looking <gasps> no. for a mate. And so then as soon as I got back in the car, they drove away. But they And so as I got back to the car, I heard something behind me. He's trotting around the corner. This thing was coming at me. Yeah, so I almost became a lady buffalo. So they were looking out for you to, to yeah. protect you if you, city person, <laughs> you. Who is this crazy? But, you know. Oh, right. my gosh. But it was great. It was really nice. It was um, it was wonderful. I got cowboy boots. I feel all, you know. And you're wearing some cowboy boots right now, which I have to say are gorgeous. Holly and I, we love our cowboy boots. Yes. And I bought my favorite cowboy boots from Tombstone, Tombstone, Ooh. Arizona. I've never been. See, there's a place I want to go. Okay. Well, then we'll go there together. Okay, and I'll take you to Deadwood, South Dakota. Please. The other place. Did like you that. ever watch Deadwood on HBO? No, but I want to now. Oh, it's an amazing. Uh, I, it was one of my favorite series. Do they talk about Wild Bill Hickok? In yes, Deadwood? they do. Okay, because yeah. I don't. The, he, he's buried there, and it's, but I don't even know what he did. That he was. So I know he worked with Custer, right? I don't know. They do. Talk, they do. Talk scratching about him. our heads. They do talk about him, but yes, they do. We're going to look that up. I'm going to find out the history of yeah, the Wild Yeah, he was. West. He was a marshal. Who? Bill? Yeah, wasn't he? Well, okay, we I better go. That... Okay, I'm really sorry to everybody. <laughs> We're really dumb here. So many people are going, oh, these okay. poor girls. Can but you she's please... from England. So... Yeah, I'm from England. I know about kings and queens, but that's about it. Um, but yeah, if you know anything about him, please... Let us know. Let us know. <laughs> I need to educate myself. Um, that's so good. Uh, well, I tell you what. Whilst you were gallivanting off in the in the west, I was doing the Atlanta dog jog. Oh, there that's you go. right. How, How exciting is go? that? That was really fun. It was actually really fun. I got up. It was so so cold, and it was also the the day of the the Atlanta marathon as well. So I didn't know where I was going. Was I was I going to the Atlanta marathon? Was I going to oh. the Atlanta dog jog? And neither did the runners. <laughs> it's quite so the you've difference. So you got you got yeah you got the Atlanta marathon runners running with the 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 dog. Atlanta dog jog runners. <laughs> so nobody knows where they're going. Anyway, I got there really, really cold in the morning, um, about eight o'clock in the morning. And uh, I thought, oh, God, I don't really want to be here. It was the best time. Mm. And the dogs just had a fantastic time. So, yeah, you know, Atlanta dog jog next year. Come bring your dogs down. It's a mile or two mile run. There's loads of great awards and prizes. Oh, I would do fun. it. I yeah. think that's great. How many dogs were there? Were there tons oh, of dogs? Oh, gosh, probably about 150 to 200 dogs. Wow. Yeah. At that time of the morning, I was impressed. Did you run it? No. <laughs> Next year, will you run it? I'll run it with you. Mm, all right. Come on, we can do it. All right. You have to run your dogs. All right. <laughs> that's uh, so fun. And where was it? Downtown Atlanta? Yeah, it was actually in Piedmont Park. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it I bet was you really good fun. Other cities do that too, do they? Yes, I think they do. 
Yeah, and you know what? Great. Keep fit with your dog. Great. As mm. long as your dog's enjoying it. There are a couple of dogs there that were being pulled along and were just like, mm. oh, I'd rather be curled up or nice and warm <laughs> in front of a fire. That's me. But I, I want to talk to you a little bit because obviously our podcast is about dogs. Um, but, uh, you know, I deal a lot with human behavior. And we had Dr. Paula Bloom here the other day mm-hmm. talking about um, a lot about human behavior and how dogs affect mental health. So I wanted to actually talk to you a little bit about something I heard on the radio this morning. I take my daughter to school and we always listen to our favorite radio station and uh, my daughter and I love it. And it's, it's our thing in the morning. Anyway, I dropped her off at school and then I turned to a different radio station and I heard this guy. Tell me what you think. So this guy calls in. He has a problem. He, he went on a, on a date with his girlfriend. I think it was about the second or third date. Really likes her. And they'd been for dinner and then they were driving back and I think they were going to go back to his place. And they got to a stop sign and she opened the door and spat. <laughs> she hawked a loogie. Yeah? yeah? Okay. <laughs> you know. All right. Right. So this really put the guy off. Yeah. Before he thinks, oh my God, she's gorgeous. But he said as soon as she did that, he was really turned off. He drives her back to his place. And then makes an excuse, drives her back to her place, gives her a hug and leaves her on the doorstep and drives away. And he can't for the life of him get over the fact that she did that. Now, here's my question to you. Would that put you off? Would it put you off if, say, Sean had done it while you were dating him, second or third date, had opened the door and spat? Or is it just because a woman did it? I think it's because a woman did it. I think think a guy can't get over that a woman did it. Right. But, you know, but but is he just... I mean, is he kind of more of a feminine woman and maybe well, it just wigs him out no matter who's doing this it? This is the question that we, he was asked if, <clears throat> if, um, because, because then the, the, the female presenter was saying that when she, you know, first met her, her boyfriend too, he had a, he had a problem of passing gas. So, <laughs> and it, it was, it, it, you know, and my producer's looking at me going, what are you talking about? And, uh, but, but he would fart in front of her. And she was kind of put off with that too. Yeah. And um, and he was like, oh no, I couldn't do that either. So I, I think this guy maybe got think, a problem. I think the guy's a little repressed. Do you think? Yes. You know what? I think we need to have Paula Bloom back on the we show do. to discuss this. Let's make a note of that, Doctor Paula. Let's ask her about bodily function. Would you but be see, put off if you, the person you were dating, let's not even talk about the passing gas, but let's talk about spitting. If if, if they spat in front of you. Would you be put off? Yeah, I wonder what everyone would. Or email us. Would you email us at positively? What, what's our email address here? Hang on, I'm looking at positively.com slash podcast. How about that? So email us and let us know. Because I'm curious. Let's take an informal poll. And, and you know what? I think um, you got to put it in perspective. It's just a second date. There's a lot of things that it took me a long time to be comfortable in front of my husband who I've been married to for many years. Like, you know, I go to the bathroom and I shut the door. He's in the other room, but I still need to shut the door. I just can't imagine if you're ready to spit in front of them at date two, what you're going to be like at home after week three. You know what I'm saying? Wow. (laughs) That would be my only concern. (laughs) I hadn't even thought about that one. Exactly. There you go. All right. I understand Hmm. you, buddy, whoever you were, whatever your name is, I get it. <laughs> we sympathize a little bit. Anyway, uh, so you're traveling next. Are you? You're going to York, Pennsylvania. I'm going to York, Pennsylvania next Thursday. I'll be there November the 10th. Great live show. There are tickets still available. Please come and see me. We're going to have fun. Um, you know, York College is there. It's York. Penn State. Yeah, but there's also mm-hmm. York College, believe it or not, because I had a friend who went there. 
Okay. We lived in Harrisburg, and it's a really cool town. It's a very cool college town. Yeah, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to being there. I think I've driven past there when we used to live in New York and we used to drive to Atlanta. I think we used to drive past there, but mm-hmm. we actually never stopped. So I'm really looking forward to being there. And also for um, for people, if you want to get tickets, please come and see me in York, Pennsylvania next Thursday, November the 10th. And also, I know on the, the last podcast we were doing um, uh, my talk on uh, in New Bedford, Massachusetts. We said it was going to be on November the 20th. It's not. It's a different date. It's November the 19th. I got oh, it wrong. It's okay. How bad is that? You're allowed to. You have okay. a couple of weeks. The 19th. It doesn't Martha Stewart live in New Bedford? Does she? I think she has a home in New one of her many trillion homes. I think Martha Stewart has a home in New Bedford. Okay, well Martha, if you're listening, please come you know, to my listens. live show. Yeah, she listens. And if you didn't get that down or you want to make sure Victoria is not lying again, go to positively.com slash appearances because I happen to know that it's written down there and your producer put it up there and he's got the right date. Right. Do you um did you do anything for Halloween? Did you dress up? No. Um, you know, I love Halloween, but I was gone. I came back Halloween like at five o'clock in the evening and I was telling Sean, I'm like, hurry, let's get home. The kids are coming. And they didn't come till like seven or seven thirty. But I do want to talk Halloween with you for a second. Okay. The way we do it is Sean and I take camping chairs and we put them outside the front door. I play scary music on my iPhone and uh, we have a big bowl of candy and I drink a glass of wine. And that's how I like Halloween. That is a great Halloween but, evening. Yeah. And usually I'll, I like to decorate and scare the kids but one year actually my um, border collie um scared a kid so much because we you know we we don't i don't want to give a kid a heart attack but he, we have a very steep driveway he fell down the driveway and sean thought we were going to be sued so he took the entire bowl of candy and put it in his little bag was like sorry sorry take me so uh that's how we do halloween did you have fun we had a great time we had a great well we had my daughter's parade in the morning at school oh. which is just always just so precious and then we had the halloween party in their classroom which was great and then of course we did the trick-or-treating and the area that i live in they close a whole load of road off and so it's just one huge party and the kids go crazy and they eat too much sugar and and they stay up until midnight um but my my daughter was taylor swift she looked amazing yes yes (laughs) and i have to say what a sweetheart and so she had a little pink guitar that used to be a princess guitar but we put taylor swift stickers on it (laughs) and uh and she looked great and she had this great wig on as well so you know one day Mm -hmm. you never know she might be the next taylor swift you know how they um i know he's american idol and x factor and they always show like the pictures of them when they were younger that'll be one of her pictures when she's you know on tv and very famous they'll be like remember when you were seven it will oh it will she's divine she's divine here's the question for you about halloween though yes okay so in my neighborhood we have a lot of homes and um they sort of bus kids in like parents will drive them into our neighborhood because we have a lot of homes they're nice homes okay that's fine i'm i'm okay with that but where do you fall with when the kids drive themselves to your neighborhood and get out. Yes. No, can't deal with that because there's a lot of that around here as well. Yeah. Absolutely. The kids are 17, 18-year-old kids. How and old? And they do. They, I don't. Do you it's know what? It's too old to trick or treat. I think when you reach about 16, I think just before driving age, stop it. Right. You know, leave the candy for the little kids. What are you hoping to achieve? Go out and party with your friends instead. Or go get a job and buy your own candy because right, you exactly. can work. Okay, thank you. Because that's what we were thinking. Like w- w- There was, um, uh, I'm not going to lie, it was an Escalade that pulled into our neighborhood. And this Escalade was, had like $4,000 tires, okay? This was an amazing car. And about eight kids got out of the Escalade and not dressed... Not dressed oh, no, at that, all. That's bad. And they were go, and we just thought, you know, you don't want to ever not give some kid. But my husband kind of harassed him a little bit and gave him a hard time. And good. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. And I thought, was that terrible or not? No, it wasn't. Sean, you did a good thing. You did a good <laughs> thing. Please, all the, anybody who's sixteen and above, 
don't go trick-or-treating next year. I know. You know what? Or go take a little kid. That's your excuse. If you want to, take a young kid and walk them through the neighborhood. Then you can do it. You know what? That's what mommy does here. <laughs> she gets all the candy. I'm like, okay, kid, I want a Kit Kat today or I want Snickers. All right, go to this house and I want to get some, uh, I don't know, nerds. I was she talking to me. my mom and she said, I remember coming home from trick-or-treating and we would have to put all our candy on the kitchen table and then my mom would, you know, you would separate it. And I always said to her, well, what is it that you didn't want us to eat? And she goes, oh, years later, it's not that. I just wanted to pick out the stuff I wanted to eat and leave you with the rest. Awesome. Oh, How about that? <laughs> so anyway, good to know, Halloween. And by the way, don't forget, Positively.com slash appearances for where you're going to be next. Love it. Oh, I forgot. Oh, our producer's telling us, hey, ding dong. So um, I thought of you. Um, and let me go back to, let me revert back to my vacation. First mm-hmm. of all, I did send you pictures. We were in Alliance, Nebraska. And anybody who finds themselves in the middle of Western Nebraska, there's something called Carhenge. Amazing. You need to see. Mm. Let's see if we can put a picture up on the website. I think it'd be really cool. And this is in the middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere. I mean, you're driving. You might see a couple of barn swallows and some cows. And then all of a sudden you come upon this place as his alliance home of Carhenge. And nobody really knows it's there. Some guy, I guess, uh, a guy who did it lost his father um, years ago. And he said as as a memorial to his father in five years, he wanted to build something. He needed to think about it. He said, if anybody wants to help, come back. Five years to the day, 30 people showed up and they built Carhenge. I'm not even... I can't even describe it. We'll put a picture on the website and you can take a look at it. But I thought of you, my British friend. Um, but also when I, on the way back, I kind of took a detour and said, coming right back to Atlanta, I went to DC to see Sting, a mm. compatriot of yours. Mm-hmm. Yes. First of all, okay. So listen, I, I taped a little off my iPhone, believe it or not. He sounds amazing. Listen to Sting. This is a live performance. He's 60 this year. 60 years old. Wow. Unbelievable. He sounds like he's 25 years old. And the crowd's totally into it. Listen. Oh, isn't that amazing? Oh my God. Not only can he sing, listen. (laughs) He just played with the crowd all night long. Now listen to him. This is my face. Isn't that amazing? I know, sorry, my iPhone kind of cut it off there. But um, not only does he sound good, but um, I don't know what, you know how he does that tantric sex or that Mm -hmm. he believes. Like I'm saying, I'm getting a book, honey, because he looks Mm -hmm. phenomenal. (laughs) <laughs> no. Wow. Tantric what? You know, oh. He does that with oh, Rudy yes. Styler. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, so he looks, uh, he, he's absolutely amazing. But um, if you get a chance, I know he's touring. He's, he's something, I've never seen him before. That's what was on my bucket list. This is definitely a bucket list trip doing, uh, doing um, Mount Rushmore and Sting. That didn't sound good, but oh boy, I wish <laughs> it was true. <laughs> I used to be able to name every nut, and that used to drive my mother crazy. What planet is he on? I say peanut, hazelnut. Yeah, but did you know macadamia yeah, nuts are toxic nut. to dogs? Macadamia nuts. I'm absolutely amazed. Oh, and did you know this? A one-year-old dog is physically as mature as a 15-year-old human. Don't you feel better about 15-year-olds driving now? <laughs> I had no idea. 
15-year-olds driving? I couldn't imagine my one-year-old dog being uh, old like that. Speaking of older dogs... Um, you were on Anderson Cooper. Yes, I was. The show Anderson. I know we talked a little bit about how gorgeous he was. Yes. And he, yes, he is. But I loved his dog, Molly. Oh, she's beautiful. She's an older dog? Yes, she is an older dog. And very, very sweet. Kind of really compliments him. And we were talking about canine health and we were talking about her halitosis, doggy bad breath. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they brought me on to show Anderson how to brush Molly's teeth. And this is how it went. It's very confusing. So how do you actually brush teeth? Okay, well, look here. Let's just let's just start. All right. And use a doggy toothpaste. Toothpaste. This has got nice liver flavor. Mm. And all you do. Mm, I might try this myself. Do you have one of these yourself? It's not that glamorous. Wow. So would they sell these in pet stores? These are like there's like a little toothbrush. On it, the end it is. of uh, and your finger, that's kind of cool. And this is how you start. And what, when you're brushing the teeth, you have to brush backwards and forwards. Oh. So if you get into her mouth and brush backwards and forwards, dogs have 42 teeth. There you go. She's that's eating it. 42 teeth, no, and you've got to get all it. of those teeth. So get the canines, get the incisors, get the premolars and the molars at like the back. Like all the way back? Yeah. He'll never it. let me in there, yeah. Victoria. He won't? No. <laughs> that's what a lot of people say. I know. All right, so here we go. Let's try. Here we go. That was the wonderful Susie Esman as well. I have to say that She's woman is great. hilarious. But that is a big issue, I guess, right? So that is something that we all need to be concerned about. You don't think about your dog's teeth really until they get bad breath. And it's one of the most important things. And it's so easy to do, but obviously all of us with all our busy lives, you know, it's difficult brushing our own teeth, let alone our dog. So I wanted to get a very special guest on our Positively Hotline today. And he is our veterinarian, Dr. Duffy Jones. Should we call him? Let's get to the hotline. The Positively Hotline is ringing. We don't know what we're going to do. We have no plan. We're just here. Who's calling in this week? He went after her like she's made out of ham. That is interesting. That's exciting. Um, is somebody going to answer that? Hello? Hotline ringing. You're on your phone, and I don't think you're taking any of this seriously. It's the phone! Ladies and gentlemen, We're really honored to have a very special guest here on our Positively Hotline. It is my veterinarian, or I should say Sadie and Jasmine's veterinarian, <laughs> and our wonderful friend, Dr. Duffy Jones of Peachtree Hills Animal Hospital. Hi, Dr. Jones. How are you today? Thank you for having me. Hey, it's great that you can make the time because I know you're really busy with surgeries, and, uh, and, uh, but thank you so much for joining us. And um, I want to introduce you to Holly Furfer, my co-host. Hello, how hey. are you? Good, how about you? Great, thank you. So, um, so... Um, Duffy, we've been talking about uh, canine halitosis, bad breath, um, and also, you know, how how often you should brush your dog's teeth, dental issues, and how that can affect uh, your dog's overall health. Can you can you just sort of take us through? First of all, how often should you brush your dog's teeth? Sure, you know. Um Canine periodontal disease and also periodontal disease in cats is our most common uh, ailment of small animals. Almost all of the animals that we have and see tend to have some of it um, because brushing teeth is very difficult um, on cats and dogs. Um, if we try and get our clients to brush at least every other day, most of the studies have shown that if you try and do it once a week, or anything um, further out than every other day that you're not able to effectively get the plaque off the teeth, which is the real cause of 
the disease and the bacteria build up and everything that way. So every other day is probably the minimum we would love every day, but we also understand that life gets busy sometimes and um, that if we can just shoot for every other day, we'd be real happy about that. Can I just tell you, Duffy, right at the moment, you can't see Holly, but Holly's <laughs> face, her eyes are wide open and she's going, what? Seriously, Holly, you don't brush your dog's teeth every other day. <laughs> can you use a human toothbrush? <laughs> <laughs> you can. You know, it's funny. We try, because we also understand just how hard it is, especially with older dogs, when we try and introduce this, we really try and get our owners with puppies to start early. And a lot of dogs, believe it or not, if you start doing it early and you start training them and, and you brush their teeth and then you end up giving them a treat afterwards, you can make it a really positive experience. And we have one of our clients who we always talk about, um, she has three big labs, and she says every night, you know, their routine is she get, they get fed, um, and then they walk into the bathroom, and then she brushes all of their teeth, and they love it. They have a great time <laughs> doing it, and it's it's really a positive interaction um, between both the owner and the dogs. And then the other the trick that we use a lot of is if you have children who are probably above about seven years old who are responsible, this is a great job for them. Um, when we teach them how to do it and just make sure that the dogs are good and the dogs will tolerate it, you know, those kids have more time than most adults do. And so it can be a really good bonding experience between the kids and the dogs. And also, um, you know, it just it's a good interaction and the kids start taking some responsibility and understanding what it takes to have a dog and keep them healthy and other things that way too. It's amazing. Holly. Holly. <laughs> I'm still in so, shock. So listen, we're talking about children brushing their dog's right. teeth, okay? What about Sean, your husband, doing it? <laughs> I think right? Sean sometimes forgets to brush his own teeth, so this <laughs> right, is right. a challenge. But So can you use... Uh, regular toothpaste, or do you have to use a special toothpaste for dogs? We typically use special toothpaste for dogs. Most of the human um, uh, toothpaste has it, it suds. Um, it has that sudsing factor in it, that which most dogs do not like. And so, um, in humans, they add that sudsing factor because it makes you feel like you have a clean mouth, and, it, and it's something visual you can see that you're doing a good job. So we use a lot of toothpaste that are formulated for dogs that have fluoride, and also we they make them in great flavors like chicken and malt and, and other things like that. <laughs> things that humans would probably not find very uh, very good. And you can use a human toothbrush. Um, works really, really well. A lot of the kids' toothbrush, because they're a little bit softer, um, can work. They're also a little smaller, so depending on the size of your dog, you can use it. And then we use a lot of the finger brushes, these little brushes that fit over your finger so that you can kind of, while you're brushing, you can kind of hold the dog's mouth shut and then run it up the gum line along the teeth and everything that way. And that's really the kind of the most effective way to brush. How how much do you, I mean, I know when we brush, you have to brush in circles so you don't wear your gums away and you have to, you, you know what I mean? Like how long do you brush? Because is it the same as humans or is it different? It's a little different. The, the big thing is we're not going for perfection in the dogs. We're going just to basically reduce the amount of calculus, and that's that hard tartar that you see on the sides of the teeth. What happens is as that calculus starts to build up, it creates a really rough surface, which allows more bacteria to form on there and more calculus. And so really what we're trying to do with a, with a toothbrush and anything is we're just trying to keep those teeth nice and smooth so that that tartar and that calculus can't build up. Um, so, you know, what we normally tell owners is we just want one or two good swipes over the teeth, um, and that can be it. So it can really be, you know, a 15 to 30 second operation, um, because any little bit of just wiping that down can really make a difference. You know, dog teeth and cat teeth, 
the way they interdigitate a lot of the times is that there's some there they do knock a lot of the tartar off themselves because of the way the teeth form and the way they interdigitate. And so really it's it's not as important as with humans about getting and spending a lot of time. It's really just making sure those surfaces are smooth on those teeth and not letting that tartar build up. Does that really stop then if you do regular brushing? Does it really stop um, your dog from having bad breath? It, it does. Um, you know, the bad breath, and that's one of the things we try and tell owners, is not actually from the tartar. What happens is the tartar gets on the teeth, and then the bacteria, because the tartar inflames the gum, the bacteria is then able to get underneath the gum and start to loosen the ligaments of the teeth and get into the bone. And what you're smelling when you smell that bad breath is actually infection um, there. And so by the time you we, – we never want you to actually smell the breath because we want to try and avoid that tartar from building up so the infection never starts. Once the infection sets in and you start to smell that, that means we're already having damage to the periodontal ligament, to the bones, to the gums, everything else in there. And so that, at that point, when you smell the bad breath, it's already fairly well advanced. Because, Duffy, I was telling Holly um, before we were on the phone to you um, that I recently, for my um, eighth season of It's Meal the Dog, when, that I've just filmed in New York City, I filmed with a family who had a Jack Russell Terrier who was about nine years old, who had the worst bad breath I've ever smelled, ever. And, in fact, it was so bad, it, it literally knocked you down as you walked into the room. Yep. It infected a whole room. You couldn't be close to this dog. It yep. nearly it wanted to. I actually really just. I had to get out because I thought I was going to vomit. It was the worst thing ever. Now, when when it's got that bad, is that affecting the internal organs too? It is. When you're smelling that much, you know that means there's a lot of serious infection there. And then what we see. We see a couple different things. We, we definitely see that the gums get red and inflamed, and I think these dogs also feel a lot of discomfort. A lot of them will continue to eat, and that's what the owners judge as if they're in comfort or discomfort. But as you know, there are dogs that will eat in terribly when they have terrible problems. They'll still eat, and so sometimes eating is not the best way to know if the teeth are actually causing pain. When you see that red gum, you know that they're probably in pain. I always talk to our clients about, you know, if I eat popcorn and I get that little piece of popcorn stuck under my gum, how irritating that is. And my gums aren't even really red at that point. Just think of that all over your mouth at about 10 times that. And, and that's probably what these dogs are going through. Usually by the time you smell it that much, when we do the dental and remove it, we're going to end up removing teeth because there's going to be loose teeth and a lot of infection. And that can affect the kidneys. It can affect the heart for sure, the liver. We see a lot of systemic infections related to just harboring all that bacteria in their mouth all the time. And it's been really, it's been great on some of these dogs where we went in, did these dentals, they had horrible breath. They may have even had some behavioral problems. We cleaned up their teeth, ended up removing probably a good amount of them just because they weren't able to save them. And the owners kind of across the board call us back and say, he is so much happier. You know, he's a puppy again. He's feeling good. He's playing with his toys. He's bouncing around. And so I really don't underestimate the fact that some of these dentals can make these dogs feel better and just be a whole lot happier as well, too. You know, it's really interesting you say that because the dog that I was working with, you know, he had some real reactivity issues, and I just think he was basically unhappy. Um, and that's the first thing I said, you know, when I smelled that bad breath, I said, look, this, this dog has got to have a medical checkup. You've got to have a full medical checkup. Yep. Um, you know, all our dogs that are on the show have have this medical checkup, but I think they kind of missed that whole teeth bit. Um, yep. And um, so, you know, obviously now, now the dog's much happier. So what you say is so true. What about chews and stuff? There's special chews that are designed to be able to help um, get rid of the tartar in your dog's teeth. Do they work? Yeah, I was they always do. wondering because 
because sometimes I wondered if it was a marketing ploy. Oh, helps keep tartar off your dog's teeth. Really? Yeah. Some of them work great, and we have some that we really like, and we have some that, that just don't work as well. And a lot of it, I think, is also dog dependent. We have some dogs who do a really good job of chewing up the treats or chewing up the toys for the teeth, and it, they do a good job of knocking off the tartar. We have some labs who you could give them these great dental bones, but because they actually don't chew them and inhale them, they don't do much good that way. And so we definitely have a problem on dogs who don't chew their food having more tartar. I also think in some breeds, you know, especially our small breed dogs, Cavaliers in particular, um, they have an enamel problem. They're enamel on the teeth, which helps to keep that teeth nice and smooth so the tartar and the bacteria don't build up, isn't formed correctly. And so these dogs generate tremendous amounts of tartar very, very quickly. And so even the best chews out there and the best bones may not make a big difference. But we've had a lot of clients who started to get a little bit of tartar and we recommended finding a chew that their dog liked that we thought worked well with getting the tartar off. And also, we always have to make sure it doesn't affect other things, doesn't upset their stomach, doesn't make their allergies worse or anything else like that. And they started using them, and we had great effects where we didn't have to do dentals on these dogs because they were really keeping their teeth clean, the gums looked great, and other things like that. So we always recommend, you know, just trying some, experimenting with some, seeing if they work. And our our biggest caution to owners is just always make sure that they agree with their stomach and they're not going to cause another problem by trying to keep the teeth clean. Okay, so here's the big question. Uh, for me, who has <clears throat> never brushed my dog's teeth, but will now, um, and both <laughs> of my, you. thank you, and uh, both my dogs are almost five. So they've never had this done before. One of my dogs, it takes, I mean, he hasn't had his nails clipped in forever because you need three able-bodied men just to hold him down and someone to clip the nails. So how would you recommend we go about starting this process? Because I don't think sticking a toothbrush in their mouth is going to go over so well tonight before we go to bed. You're correct. And when we start, especially on these older dogs, you know, always safety first. We want to be really careful and we want to start really, really slow. So one of the first things we tell owners do is just kind of get them used to the idea of we are going to brush your teeth. So the way we typically do it is we actually hold the mouth shut um, because what you're working on is the outside of the teeth. And so what we to start with, what you want to do is just kind of have your dog sit down, kind of grab his mouth, hold it shut just very lightly, and then rub your fingers on the sides of the teeth outside of the gums. So they just get used to kind of feeling that, okay, my mouth's going to get held here for about 10 seconds. They're going to kind of rub around in my mouth, and then they're going to let go, and then I'm going to get a treat. And then just gradually start working with that when you feel comfortable and the dog is comfortable with that then what you can do is go ahead and slip the toothbrush um, you know, over your finger and then start rubbing the teeth really, really carefully. By holding the mouth shut, you can avoid getting bit, and that's one of the big things that we want to make sure that, that nothing happens. And there are some dogs who train to that very, very easily. There are some dogs who are very head shy and very mouth shy that we may not be able to effectively clean the teeth. And those are the dogs that we end up having to, you know, anesthetize them here and keep them clean, you know, that way because it's just home care is just not going to work for them. And that's another reason to start young. It it is more difficult when they're a little bit older. Well, I'm going to attempt it. Dr. Duffy. Good, good luck and be careful. <laughs> you know, Duffy, I'm so glad that you um, are my dog's vet. Um, but I also have to say, you know, I, I try and I give them the bones and I try and do the, the do the teeth brushing. 
it's 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 hard to do it every day or every other day now that that's that that makes me feel better because i've had some people say you've got to do it every day and every other day i mean gosh i find even brushing my own teeth difficult plus uh, <laughs> flossing you kidding um i mean you know you got to do it but then having to add the dog to that as well um but it is so important isn't it it's very important and what we're trying to do is that brushing teeth and bones on a few dogs may eliminate the need for anesthesia and doing a dental procedure, but for most dogs, it's you're still going to have to do that just the way that you brush your teeth at home every day, but you still end up having to go to the dentist you know, once to twice a year to have your teeth clean because the, the tartar and the plaque builds up. What we're really trying to do is because we have to use anesthesia for these dogs, we are trying to spread out the time in between the procedures. Instead of doing them every six months or every year, we're trying to get you to every year and a half to every two years. And the other thing is that when we do them, we want them to have just minimal tartar so that the procedure is a lot quicker. It's less time-consuming. There's less anesthesia time, so then there's less risk to the animal. And also, we're not removing, you know, 10, 15 teeth when we're doing the dental. And so you're probably, even by brushing at home, you're probably not going to get out of routine, you know, anesthesia, dental care, and things like that. But what it should do is really minimize the risk of the anesthesia, decrease the cost of the dental because a lot of it's based on how long they're under anesthesia, and then also preserve the teeth, you know, help treat infection and everything that way. So we always tell everyone that we understand life's not perfect and life gets busy, but, you know, just do your best. And, you know, that's all we can ask for. And hopefully what it'll do is it'll help kind of spread out the time periods um, between when we have to do the dental procedures. Duffy, okay. you are awesome. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Duffy Jones from Peachtree Hills Animal Hospital. If you're in the Atlanta area, go to him. This guy is fantastic. <laughs> and you know what? I know I'm singing your praises, but I but I really mean it. I, I love going. I love coming to the surgery, and I bring my dogs there. And uh, and I just know that I'm going to get the best service possible. And my dogs love you, even though they don't particularly like going to the veterinarian because they don't <laughs> like the shots and stuff. They love you. So thank you so much for, for coming on and speaking to us about this really important problem. Thank you, well, Duffy. Th- thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. All right. Bye. Hey, you got something on your mind? What are you, a wizard, a genius? How do they make a miniature? I mean, is there some way, some process, they they physically miniaturize the dog, or is it a puppy, or what, what the devil is going on? That's a really good question. I've got my work cut out for me here. Next time you want to know something, can you repeat the yes. question? Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the expert with this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, you obviously don't know my dog. Just ask Victoria. <laughs> All right, it's time for Victoria to fix all our problems. Well, maybe not all our problems. We have a lot of problems. Some of those you can't fix. My husband will be my husband. But... (laughs) Why is it always husband? I know, right? Come on, ladies, tell me. Is it not always the husband? If it isn't, blame him anyway, right? (laughs) All right, so we have a lot of great questions, Victoria. Okay, far Um, away. So let's start with Teresa in Memphis. And this is, um, I think this is one my next-door neighbor's dealing with. A lot of people deal with. It's about potty training. And Teresa says, we adopted a puppy from a shelter about nine months ago. She was three months at the time. So now she's a year. She's half red bone hound, half beagle. So she's pretty much all hound. Okay. (laughs) We cannot seem to get her potty trained, and it gets worse after she was fixed. We walk her and take her out, and she doesn't mark any spots, but comes back in and goes in the house and goes often in her kennel, which is odd. Mm. Nothing we seem what nothing we seem to do try, to try works. Can you give us some advice? That's a little severe. 
It's a, it is quite severe, and it just makes me think, after spaying, some ducks can suffer incontinence. So is there some sort of medical issue going on? I would take your dog back to the vet and find out. Um, sometimes, you know, after spaying, it can a dog can find it harder to retain their urine. So um, go check that out first. But also I'd say... You know, whenever your dog has house training issues or toileting issues, go back to house training 101, which you do with a puppy. And that means taking that dog out eight times a day. Um, I also do this with with slightly older dogs as well, that if you take the dog out and if the dog has this habit of not going outside, but then going directly, it's back in the home again, then you kind of fool it. So you take the dog out and you've got to take a weekend to do this when you're off work. Take the dog out, take it for a walk. If it comes back and it hasn't toileted, go back into the house and then immediately turn around and go back out again. And repeat this again and again and again and again and again. The whole day, if you need to, until your dog goes outside. When your dog goes outside, just very calmly put a name to the actual action of pottying, like go potty as the dog is doing it, but in a very calm manner. And then afterwards, just say, really good. Don't go crazy, but really, really good. Give it a delicious treat or something or a lot of praise. And that'll make it um, the dog see that actually going out, toileting outside, that's a good thing. You know, I always say to people, if it's cold outside or it's raining or it's wet, would you like to toilet outside? Mm -mm. Why do we expect our dogs to do so? We like to toilet in a nice warm place. We're also safe. We've got four walls around us. Outside, some dogs don't feel comfortable about it because when they're in the actual act of pottying, they're vulnerable to attack from the dog's point of view. So there could be a number of issues going on here. But first of all, take the dog to the vet. And if you've got the all clear there, then go back training 101. I have a question, a follow-up question, because I know my extra neighbor's dealing with this. She's got a dog who's about nine months old. They have a dog door from their other dog who has since passed. And their dog is a Cavalier King Charles. And it knows to go outside through the dog door and inside, but it's using the outside as a toilet and the inside as well. And to me, it's signaling that this dog just thinks the outside's an extension of the house. When you have a young dog and you bring him home and you already have a dog door, should you not use the, How do you teach them to, this dog door goes to a place other than inside? Good question. I would first teach the dog to toilet by taking the dog out. And after a while, then I would teach it to use the dog door. I want to have the dog really getting into the habit of toileting outside. So that does mean that you as the owner has to have to put in the time and be patient with it in showing your dog this is where you toilet. If your dog starts to toilet in front of you, don't go crazy. Don't go mad because you want your dog to toilet in front of you. You don't want your dog to be fearful of toiling in front of you because you want your dog to toilet in front of you when he's outside. But if it does go inside, gently just go up, pick it up, and take it outside. Or if it's a bigger dog, lead it outside and then allow it to finish its toilet outside. If you, if a dog is in the act of toileting and you pick up its rear end, it'll stop toileting. And that means there's still going to be stuff in there that's got to be released when they, when they go out. The old-fashioned idea of rubbing your dog's nose in its poop or its urine after it's gone it's just such a horrible thing to do and it just again gives the dog an indication that you are 
a weird person and that you are a person not to be trusted and you're scary because, you know, why, why are you doing this? A lot of people come back and find their dogs toileted and then they tell the dog off. Unless you catch your dog in the act, you can't tell your dog off because, it, you know, it won't make that association. Toileting is a, is a really important behavior and we want our dogs to be comfortable with it. Now, Jasmine, when I adopted her at six months old from the shelter, she'd been kept in the crate for the first six months of her life. So she wasn't used to toileting outside and she toileted in a crate too. So how, you know, crate training is great because dogs are very, very clean animals. They don't like to toilet where they sleep. So that's why crate training is great. That's why it works. But with dogs that are actually forced to toilet in their crates, they get used to toileting where they sleep. So how do you stop them from doing that? Well, again with Jasmine, training 101, take her out. Every hour, every hour. And then after she sleeps, after she woke up from a nap, after she's eaten, after she's been trained, after she's had vigorous play, after she's got excited, all of those times I would take her out because I thought all of this stuff will make her want to toilet even more. Um, and uh, well, a while of just having really great positive reinforcement outside, Jasmine got it. She got it. Now, occasionally she'll still have accidents. Occasionally. But, you know, it took me about a good four months to be able to really toilet train. So she didn't go in her crate anymore. And what I found though, she was still going in a crate at night. She couldn't hold it at night. Now, did I get up in the middle of the night to take her out? No, I was lazy. <laughs> I have to admit it. And I would sleep. Mm -hmm. And um, so what I found out is actually that her crate was too big for her. So I just made a cozy little den for her, a smaller crate where she could lie down and still feel comfortable, but she couldn't really get up and assume the position of toileting. And she loved it. I mean, my gosh, this dog runs into that little crate at night. She loves her bed and she couldn't toilet. So that enabled her to hold it. And now she doesn't toilet at all. So there are various things you can try. Good to know. Okay. Uh, let's go to Diane in Atlanta. And she said her sister's new two-year-old Siberian Husky Seneca is using my 78-year-old mom's arm for a chew toy. She doesn't bite hard. Maybe she wants to play, but mom has mobility challenges and can't get up or turn her back. How can we train Seneca to not chew on mom when they're alone together? Seneca's a good dog and very intelligent. Sounds to me like a leave it issue. Yeah, you, you know, how old is the dog again? Two. Two years old. She's a husky. Yes, didn't, husky. on one of your It's Mere the Dog shows, there was a Siberian husky that was very aggressive towards the girlfriend of a boy. Very, very mouthy. Diesel the husky, yes. Yes. Um, and uh, that was a pretty intense because when Diesel nipped, he nipped hard. And then he was getting angry and he was getting frustrated. So his mouthing, his play mouthing was getting a little nasty. So that's what could happen here with this woman's 78-year-old mother. Yeah, it could. And of course, you know, with older people's skin, you've got to be really careful. Uh, I would say that when they're alone together, I think the most important thing is to keep them separated because until she knows the, the leave it or the drop it, whatever you decide to, whatever word you decide to teach her, that she has to release her mouth on something, I think she's still going to, because she's young, she's mm -hmm. still going to get carried away. When you actually, when somebody else is there with the mother, then um, have what we just call a long line on the dog. So it's not really a leash. It's just a line that comes off your dog's collar. And if you see um, Seneca going to go mouth your mother, um, just pick up the long line and and, and say ah or something, just an interrupter, a vocal interrupter, not too loud to, so as to scare the dog, and then remove the dog for a timeout, maybe just a minute or two in a in a place where she's by herself. And then after that, when she's calm, bring her in. And what she'll, what you, what will happen is that if you keep repeating this, that each time Seneca mouths, she gets taken away, Seneca's not going to like that. 
she's going to want to stay with it. And her reward actually for not mouthing is to stay in the room with the people that she loves. So you can try that. So taking the time out, the removal technique. Um, separation when nobody else is there, but also teaching her to open her mouth on command. So that's either the take it on the drop it where I get a dog to take stuff into their mouth and then when I ask them to release I'll say um, drop it and the dog will automatically release what's in their mouth and I do that trading toys like I'll have a toy then I'll give it to the dog and as the dog takes it I'll say take it and then I'll have another to toy behind my back and then when I produce the toy that's behind my back and the dog sees the new toy it automatically drops the toy it has in its mouth and as it's dropping the toy I say drop it and then I give them the other toy take it and then we play this game take it drop it take it drop it um, and then the dog really realizes that that makes that connection when you say drop it it means that you've got to release hmm. you've got to open your jaws and release so they could try teaching that okay good we have time for one more and this one I wanted to do just because of where I just came from out west it's Brittany in Tifton Georgia not an exact uh, problem for all of us but something can be translated to us how do I teach my new puppy not to chase our livestock? Now, we don't all have livestock, but, you know, fill in the blank. It could be chase our cat, chase our, you know, yeah. neighbor's kids. I recently adopted a six-month-old puppy from the local Humane Society. Good for you, Brittany. Unfortunately, she likes to chase our animals. Not only is this a danger to our smaller poultry, it's a danger to her as well if she tries to chase our larger livestock. How do I deter her from this behavior. I mean, I guess, like I said, you can translate a, a puppy chasing to anything. So how would you sort of keep them f from, you know, damaging something or someone, but then still they're puppies and let them play and have fun. So there are a lot of dogs actually that just have huge chase drives or huge prey drives. It sounds like in a prey drive and trace, chase drive can be similar and of course also can be different. You know, you can have dogs that just love to chase things, but they're not really prey driven. Uh, I would say that probably would have been better to do a bit more research about having a dog that maybe didn't have so much chase drive or prey drive, but you've got this pup now. So that's not a reason to give this pup up there. The most important thing is to stop this pup from rehearsing behavior because the more it rehearses what it really, really loves, the more it's going to do it. So that means you have to, to, to have effective management, which means that the dog has to be on a leash or a long line for a lot of the time. And then you've got to teach the dog to leave it. And uh, you have to be around because, you know, dogs are like kids. When the parents are away, the kids are going to play. And <laughs> come on. And dogs are going to do the same. So when you're not there, the dog's confined in some way. But when you are there, you teach the dog to leave it command. And basically the leave it is basically saying to the dog, if I say leave it, you turn your nose and face away from it and you come back to me. So it's a good recall. It's the leave it cue. Uh, and when you couple those together and then you have some really great obedience training. I hate that word obedience. When you're just teaching your dog how to how to understand you and understand your cues, then have your dog really walking well by your side, either on leash or off leash. I think doing this kind of obedience training is important because it really builds up a language of communication between you. And you can, I also say, you know, you can also do chasing in a controlled way. So there's a great toy that I that I sort of developed on my show called Fox on a Stick where you allow the dog to chase, but there have to be parameters. So the dog can chase when you say, and then it has to stop when you stop. So you teach the dog, and it's just basically a long kind of lunging line with a furry toy at the other end, where you, which you whirl around and the dog chases it. Try doing that. And then try teaching your dog some impulse control. Stop or leave it. So the dog's really beginning to listen to your cues. It becomes a game. That's how you do it. And also tires her out so that the dog is, you know, not 
looking for something to do because as we know, puppies have a lot of energy. So this way too, if you're doing that with the dog, it doesn't have energy to go chase the livestock. It wants to go home and go to sleep. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Tire the dog out. You, you, you got it right. Good to know. Hey, Victoria, give me a fascinating furry fact. The aggressive bark is... Uh, thanks for that, I guess. I know what you're thinking. Crazy people, crazy dog. Did you provoke her? What did you do? Come on, B. Did you pinch her or something? Got anything else? A dog's nose is not just used for smelling, but also to keep him cool. That's why a dog pants. The longer the dog's nose, the better his cooling system works. She says that, your daughter Alex, with such confidence. <laughs> she does. I never get tired of hearing her. She, uh, no, no, neither do <laughs> You're I. You're stunned. I know. I You're like, I'm absolutely stunned. Yeah, I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed with her. Okay, so um, we've run out of time. I know that's really sad for all of us, but um, uh, wanted to let people know a couple things. Um, don't forget, we talked about in the last podcast your canine noise phobia. Um, you have those new CDs. Yes. Out. And I have to tell you that I've been using the Thunder one in the house just because I like the music and I like the storms. And uh, my dogs really, I, I can see like my dogs like it. They like mm-hmm. the music. They're very calm. That's I think it's great. Yeah, it's really a great that's CD. So good. Yes, please, because it's a, it's available on my online store now positivity.com slash store so yes um, please get get the series it's really going to help your dogs in so many ways even if you just want a calming CD to calm your dogs down and it calms you down too it does I have a little cup of tea I'm reading my book mm-hmm. it feels like a storm and some classical music and if you want more information you can go to caninenoisephobia.com and see what it's all about and if it might be not only good for you but for your dog as well and then uh, don't forget positively.com slash newsletter because there's a lot of interesting stuff on there and I think I saw something on there about the um the 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 cd series on that yes so um check that out and also our favorite website petsadlife.org a lot of people had questions after we've talked about it last week about um with paul about how pets can help you and uh, they've got a lot of great resources on that website petsadlife.org they have some great videos too you've got to watch those videos oh yeah some of them are very funny and then again uh positively.com slash appearances for you going to be at york pennsylvania november 10th new bedford massachusetts on the 19th. Can't wait for that. Yes. Also, if you want to find, if you need a trainer in your area, please go to positively.com slash trainers to find a Victoria Still Positively Dog Trainer near you. In case we didn't get to your question and ask Victoria. We've got so much information. Just go to positively.com. You'll get it all right. Did we talk about the newsletter too? Well, just briefly, but... The newsletter is great. If you want to sign up for the newsletter, please mm-hmm. go to positively.com slash newsletter because we, we have a newsletter every month. Great tips, great facts, what I've been doing. It's good. Great information. You, and it's, you, you write a li- really nice blog on there. And so when yes. we haven't spoken in a few days, I'm like, oh, that's what Victoria's been doing. Yeah. So it keeps me posted. And follow me, please, on uh, It's Me or the Dog, which is the name of my Twitter. Um, and also Facebook.com slash Victoria Stillwell. There you'll get uh, daily updates of what I'm doing. When you said follow me, please, I just imagine people outside going, where are we going, Victoria? Let's go. Yay, we'll go on a journey. <laughs> I so I so want to go to North Dakota and South Dakota and Wyoming. Let's and go. Colorado. You know what would be really cool? Let's do like a, let's do like a cross country. We can raise money for dog. Let's figure this out. Like at some point we have to, because I, I think I'm getting old. So the reason we did this trip, it's my bucket list and Mount Rushmore was a bucket list. I think we should do that on our bucket list. Something like a big animal fundraiser cross country. That's a great idea. If you have things that you want to do on your bucket list, please let us know. Yeah. Email us and we'll talk about that. Maybe we'll get Dr. Paula Bloom back. Yeah. Because bucket list is important and I want to know what's on 
you know what? Come up with an idea. I want to know what's on your bucket list. Okay. And email us because some of your emails may end up on my bucket list. I'm just saying. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook as Victoria Stillwell or follow her on Twitter at It's Me or the Dog. This Positively Podcast has been brought to you by Pets Ad Life, who encourage you to get a pal for your pet. Visit PetsAdLife.org or the Pets Ad Life Facebook page to learn more. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively. 